The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Wednesdays here at Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Hope you're doing all right. It's thawing out across the state wherever you hear us uh, along the Hale Varsity radio network. Uh, it's, dare I say, pleasant. <laughs> Feels like it anyway, comparatively speaking. But soak it up for a day. We'll get to our roll call, our starting five in a moment. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240, can email the show, chris at alevarsity.com. Make your comments known, and we'll get to as many as possible. In the stream, Hale Varsity YouTube, where you can subscribe and log on. Doesn't cost you anything, but get all the great content from Hale Varsity and your friends at Heard At that way. And uh, check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page. Do that. Find us on Twitter with the radio show at H Varsity Radio. Follow Elijah on Twitter. Always hilarity on his Twitter feed at at uh, Herbal Essence. How about Gave you the radio handle, forgive me, at Schmidt underscore radio. Uh, I'm getting better uh, at Twitter. Uh, just reposted uh, uh, Dylan Riola doing one of those fade, those deep, 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 you know, 60-yard fades at uh, the Polynesian Bowl practice. And uh, what a throw down the sideline against good coverage. Drops it in the bucket. So uh, let your imagination run wild if you're a Nebraska football fan for future throws on Saturdays. Well, you won't need your imagination to go see this throw again. Check it out. Schmidt underscore radio. Yes, at Schmidt underscore radio. Find us there on Twitter. Email chris at halevarsity.com. And we've, well, had, we've had a couple of people say it's called X now. No, no, it's, it's, it's still always going to be Twitter. It's Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter <laughs> uh, until we get the, uh, the cease and desist from Elon himself. Uh, there's uh, a thought there. Something tells me we aren't famous enough. To no, get on no. Elon's radar I don't even yet. pay for the blue X. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't, but Hey, um, lot to get to Mike Babcock going to be with us. Babbers ready to talk all things football and hoops in our two. Evan Bland will join us. And then a jock doc with Dr. Brandon Seifert, get his take uh, a pretty brutal hit in uh, one of Monday night's playoff games that uh, tore an ACL. You hear coaches and players talk about uh, defenders going too low. Well, case in point, against the Rams' tight end. So we'll get there. But but plenty to talk about today. So I want to start with really what a, a week ago was. And a week ago, if we hit rewind, we get in the DeLorean. Uh, we, we jump in with... Doc and Einstein and old Marty McFly. We take the DeLorean back to, uh, to, to last Wednesday. I mean, it was pats on the back. It was smiles. It was jubilation. It was celebration. Prayed on Dodge, uh, prayed on O Street, perhaps. Prayed down Main Street and Kearney, of course. I mean, that's the feel for so many Nebraska basketball fans statewide, locally, and across the great state of Nebraska. And then you fast forward to Friday in Iowa City, and man, if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, you're, you're just like, oh, 
where, where's my trust level at with this team? And they're night and day, man. They are uh, bulletproof almost at home, and they are grab the whiskey on the road because they they just can't find the consistency they need. It's not that they didn't do it. I mean, Kansas State right now is a quad one win. They took down Baylor last night. But the ups and downs, and we'll hear from the mayor, Fred Hoiberg, his appearance on the network on Monday. But this team is is very much uh, allowing you to jump on the roller coaster with them. And, and you've been on a roller coaster for a while with the football team. It's a smooth ride, man, uh, with volleyball. But basketball right now, man, you want it so bad if you're a Nebraska basketball fan. And uh, there's just a lot of peaks and valleys, a lot of ups and downs. And quite honestly, uh, this is the start for Nebraska. It's a six-game stretch, right? Nebraska right now at 13-4. and four. They're 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. Not a vintage Big Ten year, but still you're absolutely top-heavy with Purdue. Uh, you have Illinois that is fighting the good fight. You wonder if Sparty's going to get rocking and rolling again. And then you have Nebraska that that's and and, and Northwestern probably in that similar vein. And and Ohio State's uber talented. So is Indiana. But right now it's the start of that six game stretch where you're at Rutgers tonight. Uh, you're underdogged by a point and a half, two points. Uh, Northwestern comes to town for Danny Nenite. On Saturday, then you host Ohio State. You're at Maryland. They just won at Illinois. Then you get Wisconsin at home. They were brought to uh, Jesus a little bit when they lost at Penn State last night. They had ranked, uh, climbed all the way to number 11. Then you're at Illinois. So in these next six, you need to be on the right side. You can get away with three and three. Depends who the three wins are, the who the three losses are, but four and two is going to be better. You're at a point right now as you get into the end of January and into February, the early part of February, where you're going to make a, a louder case with are you a bubble team, are you a dancing team, or are you an NIT team? And right now, with as many upperclassmen as you have, the talent you have on this team, guys who are able to, to, to fulfill their role at a really good level at PBA. They've got to be able to take that, that Clark Kent Superman change of clothes with them on the road. It starts tonight. It really is kind of a, a pretender or contender stretch coming up for Nebraska, and it starts tonight at Rutgers. I've got to see some different things. I've got to see some different things from Jamarcus Lawrence. Uh, Not just taking care of the ball, but shot selection. I've got to see this team, if I'm a Nebraska basketball fan, not let the offense affect their defensive intensity. Because it's done that on the road. It did for a little bit against Wisconsin. They were tired against Iowa. It's not been a good stretch to be fair to them. But that's, that's life in the Big Ten where... You're getting a day off. Your your travel's a pain in the neck because of weather, and you're going right now on on a series of two day preps. They've just got to be smarter. It's like they refused against that zone to get it into the high post. They were great with two point shots. They were also hot from three in the three games leading up to Iowa. 
They don't shoot well in their losses. Shocker, they're 25% from three-point land in their losses. Uh, that they got to be able, if, if it's not going down early, if you're not feeling it, uh, find a way to get Rink or the high post involved and keep cutting, right? I've got to see more from Jamarcus. It feels like he's, he's forcing his shot sometimes, and I'm not just picking on him. Kisei can heat check at the wrong time if he's not on one of his heaters. But I think really the stabilizer for me is 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 been rink. I need uh, Big Juan, Jawan Gary, to, to give me that K-State type road energy. And then Bryce Williams, he has been so good as a big shot maker at PBA. And he was off a little bit. Again, he's, he's he was nursing that ankle a little bit, but he, he had a tough game. Those guys can kind of come back to form with what we've seen. And they've won on the road before, and they've won in the neutral spot. So it's not like they have a confidence issue with it. It just comes down really to, to decision-making and making some plays. And Rink is your, is your warm blanket. I mean, he is the guy that can initiate the offense or get you a good look or get you a pass out of the post. I mean, that's, that's when things have been rolling. Tonight's a big Josiah Alec night. The effort, energy, and intensity he brought to you against Iowa. I don't care if he scores a, scores a point or not tonight. But his, his style of ball, physical, uh, f- frenetic, that high energy. I mean, there's going to be 100 dudes on Rutgers' squad that are like him. He's going to be big tonight for Nebraska as well, doing the, the little things. Uh, it is important. You don't want to get off on the wrong foot follow-up. All right, that deflating loss to Iowa with a road loss to, to Rutgers. You're underdogged. You need to win this game. Rutgers is hanging on by a thread in the top 90 when it comes to net rankings. Uh, Purdue wins can get you in the tournament. Losses like Rutgers can shove you back out on the bubble as you're outside well, looking in. Do you remember what we said about the, the stretch of Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa, Rutgers? You were happy with 500. Sure. You're sitting at one and two with the, the win being against you need the team to get you to least 500. expect it. You need to get to 500. You need to get this win against Rutgers, and you need to kind of steady this roller coaster. And, and roller coaster is a good example. I think a better example, and this might be a little niche, uh, it's for the people in the Tuesday night bowling league with me at Parkway Lanes. It's as up and down as my bowling game. You know, game one's great, game two's awful, game three I come back with a vengeance, or vice versa. <laughs> one's bad, two's great, three's awful. And, while we're talking about this, big shots. My dad set a new high score last night. Bowled so he carried you last night. Absolutely, he carried me. I lost all the points that I was up for, and he won all the points that we were up for, and he actually won some team for us as well. He bowled a 280, which is just fantastic for him. Shout out to my dad if you're out there listening. Shout Proud out to Papa you. Herbal. That's as close as you'll ever get to a 300, so enjoy it. Um, wow. <laughs> that, that was a low blow. Uh, but I do wonder. See if he carries you next Tuesday. I hope so. In, in two weeks from now, it's the city bowling tournament. We finished third in the city two years ago uh last year we is don't there a talk guy like it. jesus in your league like turns from, water into wine no guy that that has the the, the purple track suit from from big lebowski oh no no, no we, don't, we don't have that <laughs> you don't have that guy <laughs> i had to ask i was like if, if there's a guy that can turn water into wine in our league like sign him up please <laughs> <laughs> he's he's subbing for me yeah. <laughs> he's bowled a 300 didn't even didn't even get off his chair <laughs> sorry but, but alas back to my point with the with the steadying in the roller coaster you do wonder 
how different this team looks if Aaron Euless is in the fold this year. Big time. You wonder about that, because that seems to be the one thing this team has. not had him all year. They have some energy guys off the bench. They have a guy in... in, uh, in uh, uh, Wilcher, excuse me, that seems He's to be able awesome. to bring you some some shooting off of the bench. Bryce Williams has been everything you wanted for him, being a, a guy that can get you some points and more. His finishing around the rim, though it's been a little inconsistent, has been a lot better than you've had in recent years. You have a guy in mass that facilitates from the high post really well, a la Derek Walker. Alex, a great energy guy. The one thing you seem to be lacking on this team is that point guard, that steadying force that, hey, whenever Iowa comes out in a zone, you've seen it before because oh, maybe you played for Iowa and you know how to beat a zone, and you can go in and attack that zone. It, it just feels like the, the point guard, and I'm, I don't claim to be the biggest basketball expert out there, much more of a football guy, but you do just wonder how different this team looks with a true point guard, that true steadying force, that guy that you can trust. Iowa's to, point to guard got him 15 assists. That's what I'm saying. That guy that you can Stirs trust the to have drink, a, baby. a high assist to turnover ratio and get your shooters going. You wonder if that would be the steadying force that Nebraska needs in a, in a roller coaster type season, where one game you're you're shooting the lights out, and the next game you're not to have a point guard that can get you some easy looks. And you just wonder, alas, you're not going to have it. Jamarcus Lawrence doesn't seem to be that guy. That seems to be the one thing that I think would hold Nebraska back, and and still is the concern to me in terms of can this team make the tournament? Is when you get into a, a rough and tumble Big Ten stretch, and you have to go on the road and have a steadying force in front of a home crowd. What can you do without a point guard? I, you just got to you, adapt. You look at Ulysses, and you just go, man, how how much of a difference maker could he have been this year? Let's get you the starting five. Let's get our shout outs here in the stream. Brandon was in. Almost an hour before showtime, Brandon, appreciate you. Patrick checks in second. Andrew third, third. Uh, a lot of comments from Brandon. Uh, you have Brennan coming in, Brennan from the Black Hills fourth. And Anonymous checks in at five, Roger six. Honorable mention as we keep scrolling down. Patrick, I believe. Yeah, Patrick, and then Elijah. Oh, gets Patrick in. was second, excuse me. Yep, yep. So, Dion also checks in, so we'll get there. Um, yeah, so we have some more comments we'll get into. Uh, there's a push by Brandon to get more likes. So, if you want to like the show, go for it. Can do so on YouTube, can do so on Facebook, can do so on Twitter. All good. Where we really need some likes, though, is not in the show, it's on my Tinder profile. Wow. <laughs> um, can't help you. I don't even have a Tinder, actually. I was going to say, like uh, way, way to cover that up. G- Babbers is in the green room grinning right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. But we'll uh, dive in a little bit. Uh, good story and column by Sam McEwen. Going to give him a shout out. But he dove a little deeper into uh, the quarterback edition for Nebraska uh, with Riola and just what it means to, to pair uh, what you have in Lincoln and the the topic of making a, a good college quarterback beyond that, that arm talent. And the question is this, can you unlock that talent at the college and Big Ten level? Can you polish the skill set? And you've got some raw skill set. And Dolman mentioned this on the Average Joe Sports Show pod about the reality of that one-on-one coaching that, that you get at quarterback that you want at quarterback that you need at quarterback and how that can free up uh rules duties to oversee can free up Satterfield where you know what let me be in the the, the press box and see the entire field versus the sideline you need a a fixer and there's not any 
habits that you can't either erase or start laying down. You can take the good habits the kids already have, and you can try and fix some of the bad habits that maybe they come in with as the, the, the guy that's been in the NFL and in college for you know half the time of his total of 20 years. But you've had inexperience, you've had inconsistency, you've had interceptions. That's what your quarterback play has been. It's what it can't be moving forward. And you have a dedicated guy to do it and make sure it's in the upper echelon of the Big Ten. Mike Babcock's on the way. It's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Good to some of your comments here in a little bit. The portal is wild. Almost 30% of the top talents from the 21 class have found their way to the portal. Proctor, the stud tackle from Iowa to Bama, is now in the portal. We'll dive into a little bit of that. An official announcement from Nebraska as Glenn Thomas is on board per Keith Mann. That email just went out. And not only is he quarterback's coach, but he is co-offensive coordinator. We bring in Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker Football at MD Babs on Twitter. Get signed up for Babbers and his bi-weekly newsletter, Mike B at HerdAdSports.com. Uh, send an email and get uh, great write-ups, a historical perspective, and then uh, also another column on uh, whatever's on Babbers. Mike, Mike, what's on your mind, brother? What do you think of uh, this hire of Glenn Thomas? Um, it seems like I get up every day and wonder what next going to happen <laughs> what's uh, what's next <laughs> yeah <laughs> how, how are things going to change um today that you know i think that's a it's a good hire kind of for what you guys said i think that you need to, the opportunity to to have a guy to focus on the quarterback although he's going to be co-offensive coordinator uh, as well um bringing in a great a talented quarterback, bringing in a guy that can coach that quarterback. I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good combination. I think it speaks well for um, what that situation will be. Um, hopefully, they can uh, at least reduce the number of interceptions. Uh, you know that was a real problem for Nebraska last season, and you know I think it has to be straightened out. Look at the top three guys in the Heisman battling. Uh, not guys that threw interceptions, uh, very effective in that sense. And I think that's what you have to have. And and I know it's more than the quarterback, but, uh, um, you know, that's a good place to start. So, Mike, whenever you, you look at the interception numbers, it's more than just interceptions for this Husker football team. It's been the, the turnover margin year after year after year. Last year being, I believe, negative 17, the, the turnover margin for Nebraska – what do you see in that? Do you see a, a curse? Do you see sloppy offensive coaching? Do you see talent that isn't good enough? It's kind of a, a topic of conversation that we had at the end of the season, but it's been dating back years now, and I want to try and find the, the consistent thread. Is there one? I, you know, I don't know if there is a consistent one. I, I think that it's, it's a little bit of everything except the curse. I don't think that Nebraska is – as curse, I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that's probably not the case. <laughs> you have to look it up. Um, yeah. Mike's going to look in his curse database. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to be sure. I'm sure there is one. Joe Booz, Ron, and a live chicken, Mike. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> With analytics these days, there's something for every, you know, you can curse. Go and find... Who did we piss off? <laughs> Mike's going to go talk to his local witch doctor. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll eliminate that possibility right now, I, I guess. Um, if it rears its ugly head again, I don't know where we're going to go to get that squared away. Um, but uh, no, I think I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's protection. I think it's maybe in, in some cases it's maybe trying too hard uh, to do things and and you know forcing things in there with a pass, for example. Um, it, you've got to be getting enough repetitions and handoffs and that that kind of thing, and you've got to have uh, enough emphasis in practice certainly to you know put your hands appropriately on the ball when you're in situations. Um, where to hold the ball, how to hold it, uh, kind of a thing. So, I, you know, I think that the players are being taught that. Um, but, uh, again, maybe they're just trying too hard. Um, maybe it's, uh, you know, the, the line's not getting the job done, not keeping people out uh, from that position, putting pressure on the quarterback when it shouldn't, you know, when you need to do a better job protecting. It's, it, it's everybody's responsibility, I think, ultimately. And, uh, you know, the coaches take some responsibility, but I think it's ultimately on the players if they're paying attention to what they're being taught. Mike Babcock's with us at MD Babs on Twitter's where you find him. So let's dive into this co-OC part, Babbers, before we get to some basketball. And what – give me a, a thought on just the, the rhythm part of things. How do you get your offense in rhythm? You do it by – completing some easy throws if you're the quarterback you keep a running back in and let him get lathered up and get the feel of the game right and and i understand there's there's rotation at running back that that's common but is a guy in long enough to be able to get in rhythm and can can glenn thomas help when it comes to game planning based on what he's seeing from practice huddling up with with Donnie for the run game side of things, huddling up with Sat for the pass game side of things. I, I presume that Glenn Thomas will be passing game coordinator slash quarterbacks coach, uh, you know, with that co-title. I mean, just figure out what the guys are, are good at, what your offense is good at, and then they can – doesn't matter if the defense knows it's coming or not. These guys can get in rhythm, and it's not always going to be a feast or famine. Let's hit Malachi for, for 50. Yeah, well, and, and that – Here's the old guy talking again. You know that's the that's the way Osborne did things. You know that the defense could know what was coming, but Nebraska ran things in such a way that uh, didn't matter if the defense knew or not. Nebraska could get the job done. That's where the coaching comes in. Don't ask your players to do something that they can't do. Understand what their abilities are, and then make your play calling based on what they're capable of doing and rep that enough that you can go out there and you've done it enough times that you know what it is you're supposed to be doing and if you can execute don't ask your players to do things they're not capable of doing and that's where i think co-offensive coordinators probably helps in this sense that your one offensive coordinator co-offensive coordinator is working with the quarterback and he knows what the quarterback is capable of doing the other one is working in a more general sense, I would say. And and so you put those two pieces together and you're not asking the quarterback to do things 
that he can't do, and you're not asking the quarterback to do things that the rest of the team is not capable of helping him do. Um, I like the I like the idea of a of a of a running back that uh, gets a majority of the snaps. You know, keep that guy in there, get him going, get him the confidence, and and stick with him. You know, I don't like to see alternating guys there uh, necessarily. Um, but again, that I'm, it's not me that's making the calls there. And I like the fullback situation that, that, that they add the fullback there um, because that gives you an additional potential runner, but more so protection blocker, somebody that's willing to get the job done blocking. And I think same way with the receivers. I think you have to have receivers that are willing to block as well as go out and catch pass. Um, and if you have that, I think you've got a pretty good uh, base for your offense. It's Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, you mentioned the, the, the tailoring of an offense to the strengths of a player, or players, I should say, the, the 11 guys you have. And I want to get your thoughts. It's not unreasonable to think that over the next couple of years, the, the strength of Nebraska's offense with Dylan Ryla at the helm could be throwing the football. Does that worry you with as much of, of, of Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield, what they've said, tailoring your offense to the weather as well, and you know what, running the football works in cold, windy days in Nebraska. Does it concern you that the strength of Nebraska's offense here over the next couple of years could be in the arm of Dylan Raiola? Um, you know, that's an interesting question, and, and it, you know, that is the point with Nebraska. And that was what, uh, again, I'm referring to Osborne. That's what he always said, you know. Um, you're going to have some cold weather you're going to be playing games in and you have to be able to run the football. But I think you can establish some kind of a running game that you have confidence in. Um, and it's going to have to be a pass oriented offense. I think with the quarterback quarterback that you're bringing in and what his talents are. And if you can bring in the receivers that can help him get that job done and you've got some offensive linemen that can protect him, I think you're, you know, there are going to be games where it's going to be cold. That's this Big Ten. You know, this is what's going to happen. But I think that if you have some kind of a running game, protect the quarterback, uh, in that sense, I still think you can throw the ball in those situations. And, uh, again, if you are if you do it enough and you're confident enough in how you do it, um, you don't have to be constantly throwing it down the field 60 yards. Um, you can throw the short passes. You can do th- some things with a passing offense that, that doesn't require those those uh, long breaks. Babbers, we're going to go to hoops here. And confidence level tonight for Nebraska, their underdog at Rutgers. How do you see this ball game? Uh, you know, that the it's away game is the biggest concern for me. You know, this Nebraska team, you know, when they come back to play Northwestern, when they play Ohio State, those games are, you know, uh, in Lincoln – Pinnacle Bank Arena, I think that, you know, I, I have confidence that Nebraska can get the job done in those games. Um, on the road, let's see what happens. I mean, underdogs against a team that's at the bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, one conference win. What a league. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is competitive, and Nebraska's kind of in the middle there. But, uh, you know, this is where we see where that grit is. And where, you know, as, as Elijah was talking earlier, um, where does the leadership come from? You know, uh, can it be a point guard that has the leadership or 
you know, where do you get the necessary leadership to, to get the job done? You have to have that. Somebody that has a cool head, no matter what's going on, um, there's no panic there and gets the, gets the team in the direction that it needs to go. Because I think they, you know, they have the, I think they have the pieces to be successful. Um, but you know, road, road games in the big 10 in general are, are, are difficult. So, um, as Purdue found out coming to Lincoln. About 30 seconds, Mike thoughts on Danny knee coming back Saturday. Oh, thank you. It's, it's great. You know, I think in the modern era, he's the best coach Nebraska's had and, and, uh, you know, I think that's uh, – I think it's exciting for people that he that he's going to be back here. Uh, and that was a pretty good team there on 93-94. And it's great. It's not just me coming back. So many players are going to be back in town this weekend too, yep. for, for the festivities. That, that Big 8 tournament team, that was uh, that was a party, man. Party down in Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, Missouri in that one. Uh-huh. Well, payback. Undefeated in the regular season in the conference, Missouri was. Uh-huh. Then they <laughs> – you asked some of those guys in, in 94, they should have took their first L in Columbia against Nebraska. Uh, that, that, didn't, that didn't go the, the way Nebraska should have had it go. A uh, little, little help for sit-down Norm that day. Babbers, <laughs> we'll, we'll check in with you soon. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There he is, Mike Babcock. Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we'll chat some more Nebraska football and Glenn Thomas title. And uh, that will come up here a little bit. Evan Bland in about 20 minutes can find us uh, via the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube, Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Invite you to download the podcast, subscribe to it, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Hail Varsity Radio is where you search. Check us out. Tell a friend. Give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly. Reminder to get buckled up. One in um, three, hold on one second. Let me hit the brakes. Yes, one in three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, use, or use other substances? Don't drive. Impaired driving is deceptively dangerous. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Creighton's got a big opportunity tonight as well. Is there on the road at number one, newly minted UConn. So, $2 uh, beer night at UConn, too. I know. Ooh. What's what's a beer run at PBA? Oh, like 10. Is it? I think it's a, a little under. I've only ever gone to PBA in order to beer once. Usually, you know, I'm working. I mean, right, same. I mean, I don't know if that's frowned upon. I did order a, a beer when I was in Ireland, air quote, working. But, you know. Well, they were free in Ireland. Well, but I, I paid for mine. Oh, so you... <laughs> I, I ordered my Guinness before the system crashed. You were the fool. Well, no, I was just early. <laughs> I was just early. Brian chimes in $9 Tallboys at PBA. Okay. I, I was correct. There we go. Well, maybe um, maybe that gets fixed. 489-1240 or 800-825-5865 to get in. Uh, Nate checks in. And says Nebraska's cursed by Peyton Manning. Uh, he helped get rid of the <laughs> Detroit Lions curse. Well, uh, Peyton was uh, throwing a little shade at Nebraska on Monday night's Manning cast. Uh, maybe Nebraska's teed off 
uh, as you have another chime in uh, on the stream here. Let me lean in here to show you my nostril hair and read this thing. Uh, KG Kids for Life. Love it. Uh, Maybe we're uh, PO'd uh, like Trey Palmer. He seems uh, to be PO'd lately. Great catch and run by Mr. Palmer. That's good. Uh, Dion is right. Spring practice can't get here soon enough. We're excited for that. But meanwhile, we have basketball. Who's on the line? Paul's on the line. Paul, thanks for calling. Welcome into the show. Hey, guys. I don't know if you've already answered this, but uh, burning question, who are we losing from the coaching staff on football for taking in a new uh, quarterback's coach? Nobody. They are moving the would-be tight ends coach, the guy that was tight ends coach, back to an analyst role. It's Martin, Josh Martin. Yeah, Josh Martin, thank you. And, and Sats moving to tight ends coach. Good, good, because I was uh, hoping that that was going to be the answer. And we're also awaiting some, some legislation in, in the NCAA about how many analysts, or I guess I should say F analysts, are going to be allowed on the field moving forward, which seems to be a win-win for most of There's a good football. feel, right, that, that analysts are going to be able to help on the field. So yeah, say, we saw it, the, the uh, TCU coach, well, who was that uh, that brought them to prominence about five, ten years ago? Patterson? Yep, he was at Texas last year. Yeah, and he was on there on the field. It's like I thought the analysts weren't supposed to be on the field. They can be. It's a practice Monday through Thursday deal where the analyst can't be physically helping during practice. That's what Nebraska okay. got nabbed for on a level two NCAA violation with the uh, former special teams analyst. All right. Uh, thank you for your information, All gentlemen. Right. Paul, take care. Appreciate the call. Four eight nine twelve forty to get in. But uh, Evan Bland will have much more. Uh, he had a chance to catch up with Coach Nixon, who spent time as co-coordinator with uh, Glenn Thomas down at Baylor. So we'll check in with Evan Bland there. Let's hear from Fred Hoiberg for a moment. Get caught up with the mayor. And uh, we brought up the topic, a roller coaster. Fred brought it up. Monday night with the uh, the network as uh, he was doing his uh, coaches interview and uh, coaches show and let's hear from Fred because Nebraska is so night and day home and road see if that changes tonight at Rutgers. I was laying down watching the Purdue game. Uh, they were playing Penn State. I think it was a 24-point game with about three to go. They came back, media timeout. And I thought Robbie Hummel just laid it out perfectly. And he talked about Purdue, you know, really being the standard in our league of a team that doesn't get too high and doesn't get too low. And I played that clip for our guys today. And, you know, they come into our place, we beat them by 16, and they bounce back and, you know, just completely dominate the next game from start to finish. And, you know, that's a big thing. The very best advice I ever got when I got into the NBA was from Reggie Miller. He called me Rook. He said, Rook, I'm just going to tell you right now in this business, he said, you can't let your highs get too high and you can't let your lows get too low. And right now we're riding the wave of the highs and lows, the emotions. Uh, it's a little bit like a roller coaster right now. So we need to get more even whatever is happening with our team, uh, wins, losses, anything in between. You know, we got to be better and we got to be more consistent. And again, just based on what our guys did today, you know, carry that over tomorrow. I don't know what that means as far as carrying over into the game on Wednesday, but we need to be more consistent overall as a team. Amen. He's absolutely right. The highs, the lows. A little bit here, more from Fred here. The uh, consistent part he touched on. How about the difference between Iowa, the difference between Purdue beyond the score? 
Purdue, we were as consistent as we've been since I've been here. And, you know, you could argue that was as good a win as any in the history of the program. And then you follow it up like that. And the other thing is, when you have a win like that, people start talking about things. And, you know, if, if you believe it, buy into it, and, you know, that can take your focus away. And on the other end, you know, you beat a team like Purdue, okay, we're going to be in the Final Four, and then you lose to Iowa, well, we're never going to win another game again. And those are the highs and lows and, you know, the things that you deal with, especially in the social media era that we're living in, and you just got to be more consistent with it. And, you know, I challenge our guys, don't look at that crap, you know? I mean, people are going to say a lot of really bad things about you when you lose, and they're going to say a lot of unbelievably uh, great things about you when you win. And again, that that will cause you to ride that roller coaster in that wave of emotion. So, you know, it's an important thing to block out the outside noise. You have to do it if you're going to be successful and if you're going to have consistency in this game. Fred uh, trying to get his guys consistent. We need to address this uh, for Montana Husker fan uh, in the stream. Can comment on the show or throw your thoughts in as well. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel. So not to dig up the past, <laughs> but can I get some free Hale Varsity swag for breaking the Riola news on the show that day? I, I We can rewind. I think we, we did mention Montana Husker says that that uh, that that Dylan was flipping. I think our our sources and spies also gave us that heads up. So I'm not to say that you didn't break it first on the stream, uh, Montana Husker fan. But I think we were heading that direction about the flip. Now, Elijah, is there a a locked area of Hale Varsity gear at, at the club? I, I mean, I don't know. I've got a Hale Varsity sweatshirt. I've got a, a Hale Varsity quarter zip. I could send you. I'm still using the stocking hat. I think you have a coffee cup. You have a coffee cup? Do you want a used coffee cup? I have the final issue of the magazine here that I keep with me. It's not bad. So, Chris at com, Montana Husker fan. Send me your address. We'll send you something. All right? Good enough? Thank you for your listenership. We'll wind down hour one as uh, Evan Bland on the way. Hail Varsity continues powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. Our dear friend, uh, Mr. Brian Snitley, uh, he was in this stream a little earlier. Nine bucks for a Cornhead Lager at PBA. Not bad. I'd say let's go Saturday, but you have basketball. You got a double header. Yes, I do. Yes, uh, I do. And I definitely did not forget about that until just last night, for sure. I've been so, prepping all week long. Programming note, uh, locally here on KFOR, our dear friend Bill Hooks, Will Wilson, morning hookup, 10 a.m. They are going to have the Hall of Famer Danny Knee with them tomorrow. Wow. And we will have uh, some excerpts from that. Hoping to bump into Coach Knee this weekend. He was in is incredible. Um, one of my favorites. So, oh, one more quick programming note. All the people messaging me about getting my used Hale Varsity coffee cup, I was not expecting there to be this much interest. Really? Yeah, Brennan messaged me privately to say he wants the, the used coffee cup. Montana Husker wants the, the coffee cup. I'm pretty sure Moonbot wants the, the coffee cup. We got a whole bunch of people who want my used coffee cup, and that is moderately concerning. Why would you want my used coffee cup? Uh, because it's awesome. I keep it clean, I guess, but like... 
used? Like, I, I could ship you a new one, too. <laughs> uh, Steve asks a more important question about whether or not Elijah will part with his coffee cup. Uh, where's the best barbecue in Lincoln? Uh, the best barbecue in Lincoln is whoever pays us to advertise it. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the best barbecue is, is the, the Schmidt House. I will put my ribs or short ribs up against uh, not restaurant quality, but I'm, I'm proud of those. Those are pretty good. My pork butt, I got a good pork yeah, butt Yeah, you're, you're, you're solid there. I like so, big butts and I cannot lie. Uh, so, well, this leads us into the next job offer for Bill Belichick. <laughs> Atlanta, L.A., whoever else is no doubt all after Bill Belichick. Uh, so is <clears throat> Cam Soda. Lay, lay it out for me, Schmitty. What is Cam Soda? Well, the report here from Sports Illustrated says, uh, now that Belichick's finally free from the Foxborough restraints, adult webcam site Cam Soda oh, no. <laughs> has offered him a five-year, $10 million deal to appear as a clothing-optional model. <laughs> On cue, everyone throw up in their mouth right now. And right below this, they've got Belichick leaning forward in his hooded sweatshirt, forcing a smile. (laughs) Cam Soda made its case in a letter from the company VP, who claimed to be inspired by a video of a shirtless Belichick captured on a ring doorbell camera. Dear Lord, it went viral on the Pat McAfee show. They're on the no. right path here, too. I will gladly pay to not see Bill Belichick in a clothing-optional web stream, actually. And two million's just, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money for Bill Belichick. Bad, bad, bad idea. There is such thing as a bad idea. We're talking about it, but of all folks you can offer, two million to, for that clothing-optional model gig... Guy in his 70s, <laughs> a little overweight. It feels to me like Can't do it. Cam Soto was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think whether or not they, they should. should. Amen. Uh, Evan Bland, I'll have the latest here. We'll talk quarterback, uh, offensive coordinator duties. That's on the way. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for joining us, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. Find Evan on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H. Good story yesterday and a reaction to Glenn Thomas, that announcement. Evan, good to spend some time. Have, have you thought out a little bit? Uh, are, you, are you pleased with at least uh, we're in the mid-20s? Does it feel like 50 to you? It kind of does. I mean, it's... Again, like I was just saying, like I would roll down my window and drive around a little bit and probably not feel too terrible about it compared to how it's been. Like it's not painful going outside, so at this point, that's a win. 
Painful is a word that was used at times a year ago for Nebraska's offense. Uh, what's your reaction here to, to Glenn Thomas and that co-coordinator title? Quarterback coach, yes, but the, the co-coordinator uh, with uh, the announcement, the official announcement and release. Let's talk a little bit here about what he can do to help this offense. Yeah, you know, I thought that was the most notable thing that came out of Nebraska's announcement uh, officially of his hire, uh, you know, pending the uh, approval through the background checks and all that. But, uh, you know, you look at what Glenn Thomas has done in his career, and this is not a stretch to put him as a co-offensive coordinator. I mean, he, he was the guy in that position at Arizona State a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he's been prominent parts of offenses under Matt Rule at Baylor and at other points in his career. So, it's not shocking, I suppose, to say that, or, or a leap to think that he could not handle something like that. So that part was interesting. You know, I think the hire in general uh, goes back to what Matt Rule's original vision was when he assembled the staff, you know, 13 months ago, and that was to have Marcus Satterfield call in plays, and then it was to have a, a different person as the quarterback's coach. And that didn't work out the first time around, and so there's been some – juggling of roles um you know certainly at the tight end spot with with bob wager's hire and resignation and josh martin's elevation and now return to his role as an analyst and so that sort of all clears the way for thomas who you know again you look at his resume he's uh, coached with matt ryan in the nfl he uh, has coached uh, a number of different types of offenses at the college level. He's worked with pro-style systems and spread attacks and, and found some success and made quarterbacks better uh, at all these different stops. So you can kind of see the vision for Nebraska, why they would want somebody like that in their room. And, um, you know, I think his name's even more prominent because they just signed a five-star quarterback in Dylan Royal and another Elite 11 quarterback in Daniel Kalen. And so what Nebraska is saying is they're entrusting their immediate quarterback future, looks, which looks awfully bright, uh, in the hands of Glenn Thomas. So a big day for, I think, for the quarterbacks and for Nebraska as a program as well. Evan, in your opinion, was the mm-hmm. lack of a quarterback coach last year, with, with Pete's being the, the really rumored name, sounds like uh, that was not able to be, to be brought to fruition. I don't want to say the coaching staff struck out there, but uh, they weren't able to lock down Pete's and Nebraska rolled without a quarterback's coach last year. Was that the biggest mistake that Matt Rule made in year one, in your opinion, or is there something else that takes the cake there? This is a discussion we're planning on getting into a little more next segment. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a mistake. It just, like, circumstances didn't align the way that they hoped they would. Uh, you mentioned Pete's, and, and there were probably some other targets that they were looking at potentially for that role and for whatever reason uh you know fit circumstance it just didn't happen and so marcus satterfield had experience in that realm he's sort of unique in the sense that he could have really coached any of the position groups he's pretty versatile if you look at his background um you know he's he's coached all sorts of different positions and so quarterback sort of filled that role but I think, you know, again, they, they, Nebraska and Matt Rule, they understand the importance of that quarterback spot. I think you look around nationally at some of your top programs in the country. Uh, most of them, if not all, have uh, designated quarterbacks, coaches. Um, so I think that was important uh, for Nebraska to address as well. And then, you know, you get into these game day situations where uh, moving forward, Marcus Satterfield doesn't have to worry about 
necessarily talking with whoever's coming off the field at quarterback after a given drive. He can focus uh, a little more globally on what the offense is doing, and now Glenn Thomas can have that interaction on the sideline. It doesn't even have to be Matt Rule. Um, so I think all that it makes a lot of sense structurally. Certainly on game day, I think that's something they're going to be happy that they have. And you know, again with with the uh, credentials that Thomas brings too, I think um, you know the development that they show in the off season and then maybe week to week uh, is something we can look forward to. Evan Bland is with us here on Hale Varsity. Evan with the Omaha World Herald. And find him on Twitter at Evan Bland O-W-H. And uh, you had a chance to get caught up with Coach Nixon, uh, Evan. And uh, he worked with with Rule, of course, at, at Baylor, but, but also was that co-coordinator with Glenn Thomas. What's the word from, from a peer, from a, well, from a, a co-worker on, on how, and from a stylistic standpoint, Thomas rolls. Yeah, he had plenty of great things to say. And, and for people that maybe don't remember Jeff Nixon, his, uh, he, he was the co-OC at Baylor. Like you mentioned, his son, Will, was a Husker for a short time a few years ago. So he was someone who had been paying attention, I think, to the program a little bit and then also – uh, had that working relationship for three years with uh, Glenn Thomas down there in Waco and just really complimentary of uh, his attention to detail. I thought the thing that he said that stood out the most to me was that he's, he's got a high standard. Like he's not going to let things slide. Uh, he's really detailed when it comes to <clears throat> X's and O's and film study when it comes to how, uh, you know how quarterbacks prepare, and, and one of his points of emphasis is on uh, what that quarterback does and, and, and performance after the snap. Right? It's one thing to be able to diagnose a defense or to uh, set up a block or, or whatever, but once the bullets are flying, so to speak, uh, how does that person respond in the moment? And uh, you know, Nixon said that was something that Glenn Thomas was really good about was getting quarterbacks to react, not to overthink, not to be slowed down by sort of the analysis piece. So it, kind of finding that fine line between being prepared but not being over-prepared where it takes away from your ability to do your job. And so I, I think he was complimentary of those pieces. And then also just, again, the fact that uh, he, he has a wide variety of systems and, and offenses that he's coming from. He said, you know, Glenn Thomas was not married to a certain scheme or offensive attack. It was all about what's the skill sets of the players in the room and then how do we best maximize that. And if you look at the results the Baylor's offense had and, and of course, the win lo- wins and losses as well, uh, you know, I think it was uh, obviously a job well done. Evan, with that in mind, is it a big deal or not that he's co-offensive coordinator in addition to quarterbacks coach? That got announced today. We've laid it out. Is that a big deal in your opinion, or is that that you know? Oh, we'll just throw that in there, get him some extra money, make sure that uh, that the title matches what we want from. Like, what what do you make of that title, co-offensive coordinator? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a little notable. Uh, ultimately, that role comes down to who's the one calling the plays. And if it's still Marcus Satterfield and, and that's what, what we've heard and that's, uh, you know, what's pretty well spelled out, then, yeah, I think sometimes it's it's a title thing. Um, I, at some point we'll learn through, um, you know, public information request what, uh, he's, what, what Glenn Thomas's salary is going to be moving forward. And, and oftentimes just procedurally, yeah, you have a, a title that can sort of justify 
what that salary might be. So it's possible that it turns out that way. Um, you know, maybe they do have a bigger role for uh, what Glenn Thomas can can bring in terms of uh, you know maybe a pass game coordinator or, or something that's not necessarily spelled out in the title, but maybe there's an area that he's a little bit more uh, adept at or, or can bring a little bit more expertise to. So I think some of that uh, remains to be seen. We'll hear what. Matt Rule has to say um, probably in the next few weeks uh, if we have a chance to speak with him at that point. Um, but again, with, if Marcus Satterfield continues to call plays, then I think uh, you know everything else that falls under that sort of uh, academic. Evan, what what do you anticipate here with with Thomas's skill set? And let's talk application here. You've got two rookies coming in, Kalen and Riola, both super talented, really good arms. And uh, you got to make that adjustment to college. You got to go win a job. You've got Harburg, who's really just had a year of tutoring and did nice work uh, with with his legs and hit some some passes downfield. You had some inconsistency with the accuracy part, but in fairness, the guy's not been groomed or really had a chance to throw the football or practice a whole heck of a lot. A whole heck of a lot. It doesn't sound like so. Where? Do you think Harburg can grow? And then what do you do with the, the two rookies that you're going to really hone in on their skill set? And, and one from a, a, a talent standpoint supposed to come in and, and take the job. Right. Well, you know, again, I think the, the first thing is that they're going to find an offense and a style that's going to fit what these quarterbacks can do. And it is interesting, like you said, I mean, Harburg's skill set is different markedly than Dylan Raiola's and, and Daniel Kalen is his own person too, in terms of what he does best. And so you have to figure that out. Uh, you know, the Harburg situation, kind of like you mentioned, he he's maybe been developed for a year truly as a quarterback at the college level. And it was only last August at Minnesota that he still caught a pass in a game. So like it, it shows you one, his athletic abilities and what he can do. And two, his willingness and Nebraska's willingness to be creative and how he gets on the field. So what his role will evolve into, I think will start to take shape in the spring. Um, certainly Matt rule and his staff have already earned a reputation as a group that likes to tinker and experiment and try a guy here and, and, and put this guy over there and see what can happen. Um, you know, the thing that I think is interesting about the group in general, I mean, You've got the two true freshmen coming in. I found an interview that um, Glenn Thomas gave at Arizona State a couple years ago, and his situation then was actually pretty similar to what Nebraska is. At the time, he took over that job. Jaden Daniels, who goes on to win the Heisman at LSU, had just transferred out, and they had a a young group there too. And and he was asked what uh, goes into developing these guys to get them ready for the season. And, you know, his, his answer was you're going to hammer the classroom stuff. You're going to get a deep understanding of the offense conceptually, what you want to do. But then he said, too, you know, they're going to, they're going to uh, hammer home on some of the smaller details, uh, stuff like huddling up and calling a play in a huddle or breaking the huddle and getting guys to the line. Um, so I think that also speaks to that attention to detail piece where you can't just assume a lot of the little things are going to be taken care of. You have to rep that. You have to go through that. 
And I think maybe that's an area that can really benefit Nebraska this year. When you are starting from scratch, there's not a lot of uh, you know common ground with these quarterbacks coming in. You're going to have to start from square one on a lot of things, and I think that's something Glenn Thomas has done and something he's comfortable doing. Evan, do you think Nebraska goes portal shopping with all the defections from Alabama? Well, I mean, you're sort of running out of time for this particular cycle if you want these guys in here for spring ball. I mean, classes start, what, on Monday, and then you can essentially uh, enroll late for up to a week. So you have, if you really wanted to push it, you have until December, uh, January 27th, 28th, before that 29 deadline. Um, so, I mean, you, you have to kick the tires on it, I think. Matt Rule's made clear that if there's an impact guy in the portal, you, you, they're going to take a look at him and figure out the roster numbers and, and how, how it'll all fit together later. Uh, but it, it is such weird timing, isn't it? I mean, just with all the, the coaching hirings and, and changes going on, uh, a lot of guys may not find a home this month. It may be that you'll have to uh, wait until that next cycle. And Nebraska's added guys that have been impact players before in May. I mean, they, they did that with Marcus Washington a couple of years ago when he came in. So it's possible uh, some of these names may come back onto the radar in a few months. But, yeah, I think you put your name out there. Nebraska's reputation would say that they're going to leverage relationships first. And so I don't know how many obvious connections there are Alabama or Washington players out there right now, but you can bet, just given uh, their track record and history, that they're probably taking a look. Evan, last thought here before we get you out. I want to go Husker basketball as they have Rutgers coming up here in about, uh, let's see. We're meeting minutes. Evan for a drink at the sports book. Are we? Evan, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll clear my calendar. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> hey, we don't get off till six, so can we Venmo you? <laughs> <laughs> but Evan, simply put, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride for Husker basketball this season. I think a lot of people have been at least enjoying the ride. Do you think the roller coaster continues in terms of up and down tonight? Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, tonight's the night that you can kind of break the trend a little bit and put together a strong effort on the road. And, like, again, you, you kind of look at some of the numbers that they have in terms of their wins. They've got some quality wins. I think, what, three quad one wins at this point? That's a heck of a start in building that NCAA tournament resume, but this is the stretch that starts tonight, and I think you could throw Iowa into that too, uh, that where they just played. Where uh, these are the games you have to kind of prove it. Like, okay, you can get up for some of the name brands, and you can get up for some big games at home. But what about the teams that are sort of your equals on the road? Um, you know, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean that Nebraska hits ten three pointers, but it does mean that the effort has to be there, uh, the defensive focus and concentration has to be there consistently to where Rutgers isn't getting open shots. And I think they have the personnel to do that. This is a team that looks like a grown man's team in a way that I think a lot of other Nebraska teams haven't. So to me, this tonight's game and a lot of this upcoming stretch is about between the years. And, and can you stay locked in? This is going to be a meat grinder uh, of a couple of months here going through the Big Ten stretch. And so maybe a few days off rejuvenates and refocuses what they can do. Um, but I, I think to me it's about effort. It's about defensive intensity. And if that stuff shows up, then you should be competitive uh, you know, all the way through. Evan, we'll check in next week. Great to catch up with you. Thanks for the time, bud. Hey, thanks, guys.
Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And to get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can hear the show. Hail Varsity YouTube, we'll get to some of your comments here and dive into the topic about missteps in year one on offense. Real quick basketball note, our friend David checks in. If you can't win on the road, your postseason chances dwindle. Amen. And Hoiberg's 11-51 and 51 on the road at Nebraska. They've had some good ends-of-season road wins. Wisconsin last year, I think they shocked Ohio State. But they, they always put it together too late. They put it together early this season. And now it's time to kind of find your footing uh, on the road because you've done it earlier. K-State's nothing to sneeze at. They did that as a, as a bounce back against K-State. So just when you're ready to tap out on this basketball team, Elijah, they, uh, as, as Al Pacino would say and Sill would mimic in uh, The Sopranos, they pull you back in. Well, and if you can't see that the, the first three years of Hoiberg's tenure is different than this year. I don't want to say irrelevant, but it's pretty close to compared to what we've seen this year. Then I don't think I can have different you. different mentality, different mentality, different team. Numbers are numbers, but let's talk numbers with some some fits via the portal well, versus some context. Like uh, like saying that Hoiberg in his time at Nebraska is what was the number eleven and fifty one. Is that what the number was on the road? Like yeah. if you are unable to to have any context with that, I think that that number is pretty unhelpful because of how different this mm-hmm. team is this year from construction to experience to, I mean, so many parts of this team are, are, are so different than, than years past, even how they, they try to operate offensively and defensively. It's, it's pretty different. I guess I'll, I'll give you some points just considering the fact that, that the road struggles have continued this year, but I don't think using the road struggles in the, the first three seasons of, of Hoiberg's tenure are necessarily relevant to this team. I'll particular. give you some context, though. You did get whacked at Iowa. You did lose a 15-point lead at Minnesota, right? And then you well, got- well, but but the, when I look at the Iowa game, like that the team, its ability to fight back early in the second half and, and take a lead briefly is not something that a Hoiberg team of, of years past be able to do. I think you can criticize that they weren't able to finish and they couldn't go attack a 2-3 zone, but the fact that that team battled back and took a lead at all at Carver-Hawkeye is so different than what Hoiberg's teams in the past have been. You get down 10 or 15 points on the road in the first half, all those other Hoiberg teams would have rolled over and ended up losing by 30. Fair. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's been some quit in past teams. I don't know that there's a lot of quit. You just need better, smarter basketball when adversity hits. They have that at home. They haven't on the road I mean, that often. It feels like... like Years past, this team has been in the foot of a valley, you know, looking at, at a 14,000-foot peak ahead of it, whereas now it's <laughs> it's 12,000 feet up the peak, and it's got a little bit more to go to get over that hump. But it, it feels so much closer, and that's why I think it, it's a little bit irrelevant. Like It's like uh, I, the analogy is not perfect, but like you can't compare the climbers that are at 12,000 feet to the climbers that are at the base of the mountain at 2,000 feet, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and the top is... Of course, that NCAA tournament. Let's get into the Husker offense, and you've got Glenn Thomas uh, the last 24 hours, name we've talked about for a few weeks now. It's officially official. Great. 
now what with Nebraska's offense. And let's talk about some of the ills for a moment. If, if you were to circle the, the biggest misstep for Nebraska last year, it, it, was, it was quarterback, it was turnovers at quarterback, and just fumbles in general. I would go offensive line, like under center run game, and I just think youth. And that's not a misstep. That was just a reality. The The thing that you, you can't fix or help is injuries. I mean, all of it kind of stems from, from an injury uh, at some key spots. But I think you got quarterback wrong, clearly, last year with your starter. And uh, you had to, to learn on the job with, uh, you know, a, a couple of guys that haven't played a lot of football and gave their best and showed some flashes. And, and the more time goes on, though, I, I think you can look at quarterback as being a misstep. But I think a lot of other people on the flip side of the coin are saying, well, who's evaluating the quarterback? Who's sitting back there and saying, you know what, Jeff Sims, that's our best option to win? Because the more time goes on, the more we hear, well, Sims had turnover issues in, in, in spring football. He had turnover issues in fall camp as well. Really struggled in, in the pressure moments in practice, a, a, a two-minute drill. He was struggling with interceptions in that moment. Do you, do you look at that and do you blame the quarterback or do you blame the coaching staff and the quarterback coaching for, for putting that guy on the field in the first place? I think you can you can bemoan the, the talent evaluation and say, well, why was Sims playing here in the first place? I disagree with that. I think you can see the fact that Sims had a lot of arm talent. He had a lot of athleticism. Where, where Sims struggled was between the ears and being able to, to read a defense and throw it to the right guy. That's where Jeff Sims struggled. So do you put that on Sims considering, yeah, he, he had that throughout his entire career? Do you blame the coaching staff for sitting there and throwing him into those same situations and expecting different results? You needed the, to, to vet it better. Uh, you needed to really look. Now, coaches are going to be optimistic, and they're going to say, hey, we can – we can fix that guy or we can help that guy get to a height of a level he's never achieved before. There's enough natural raw talent. And that's not wrong. There's a reason the kid was a four-star recruit, not to beat a dead horse, but an Elite 11 guy. I mean, there's natural talent He was there. the most naturally gifted quarterback on the field last year for Nebraska. Was yes. he the best quarterback? No. no. But was he the most naturally gifted? Absolutely. You see that and you're like, okay, we can we can work with this. And I like the dual threat part of it, and let's let's rock and roll. What you can account for is continued mistakes in big moments. You, you can't account for, from the get-go, just a, the personality of the stage and the forcing and, and want, wanting to do well. It wasn't a, it wasn't a selfish thing. It was just a guy that wanted to, to go make plays to help win ball games, and you, you tried too hard, and, and it was a mess. And I think you can sprinkle in also just what what you were calling. I think there there was a little bit of a square peg round hole we've talked about a little bit versus calling what you want to call, calling what you you, you know works, or dude, I I'm through the playbook. I don't know what we do well. If, if I'm the offensive staff because of injuries, because of inexperience, because of the, t- the team we're playing. I mean, so it was, a, it was an absolute uphill battle for this offense. This isn't excuse-making. This is look at the defenses they played. Look at the defenses they played that were ranked in the top 25. Look at the defenses that were really good against the run. 
So what did you see? You saw an offense and a head coach and a staff say, okay, let's implement some more quarterback run. Let's try and do some play action. We've got some skill guys uh, that we're going to get involved, even if they are true freshmen. And let's figure things out. Oh, by the way, our running back room got decimated. Let's get Emmett coached up and and get Emmett the, the football. And and he was very solid. I'm, I'm excited to see him next year. But the misstep to me from the get-go, I mean, being at Minnesota, watching that ball game, Nebraska, what they turned to in the second quarter, they got some, some yards. Quarterback run. Quarterback run. Because what couldn't they do out of the three-wide tight end set with the one back? They couldn't run under center for, for very many yards. And not a lot of teams made money on Minnesota doing it. So I think what they saw maybe during the lead-up and then what they had to, to kind of roll with the punches with during the season, Minnesota, Colorado, turnovers. I mean, just some unforced turnovers. We know Boulder, what happened there, where you're, where you're on the move. You're, you're working on going up 3 nothing. You, you drop a snap. That's the moment. And then take that moment on a big third down and then apply it to 100,000 at Lincoln on a game day Saturday, the fishbowl that is Lincoln. But do you blame, you just misjudge. Do you blame Jeff Sims for those turnovers? I think that's the obvious. Yes, answer. You, or yeah. Do you blame a coach for saying, man, this guy had turnover issues against Minnesota. He's got turnover issues here in a game that's still in the balance. I mean, did anyone go talk to the kid on the sideline? Did he still he didn't play like he was still confident. Did he sound confident on the sideline? Why are you throwing him back out there in that environment? Just because game two? Because you've invested too much already? I think I mean you, you want, you're, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. No, no, no. You, you want to give him you want to give him a chance to kind of fight out of it until you until you've given him enough time to fight out of it. Right? I mean, that's one thing I love about this coaching staff is you've seen guys go on a milk carton for screw up. They didn't do that. Now, maybe it was detrimental to not pull sooner, right? But they they eventually did, right, when it came to the Purdue situation. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the final straw. So I like I like having the back of your player, but the player's got to perform. It, it, is, it is an arm wrestling match, man. It's kind of almost chicken or egg. Uh, ultimately, your boss because you're coach. So whatever decision you got to make, there's a thousand second guessers and there's only one right decision where everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. The kid goes out and is Vince Young. Well, and, and I think the, 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 the simple answer here is, was the quarterback play from Nebraska good enough last year? No. Clearly not. Was the coaching surrounding the quarterback no. position last year good enough? No. Is the answer Dylan Riola and Glenn Thomas? That's yes. Kind of, that's, kind of, that's kind of the heart of, that, the, of that's this That's got to be the answer. I mean, that's, that's what the answer – the answer is going to be really – Good offensive line, like an offensive line that you've seen, you haven't seen in in a while where you can get four on first down or you can have a guy that can complete a pass over the middle or the dump off to the tight end because I don't think you're going to have any quarterback run unless you have a package for Harburg, which is cool, which could work. But it's – you're asking me as a player or coach. If, 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 what was the misstep? And ultimately, it's the, the coaches who brought this dude in. Mm-hmm. And didn't necessarily tailor an offense that fit the strengths I think of, they thought of that, Sims or Harburg. I mean, I think the, the offense... They tailored the an offense that fit Harburg, I thought. To a point. 
mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna ask a guy that's got minimal time of quarterback development to throw it 35, 40 times in a pro style. Well, I mean, the, I think that's, the, that's idiotic. The offense was best tailored to a guy in Chubba Purdy at the end of the season, and in, the question becomes, why was he not out there? Health was it health? Did we ever get that confirmed? Well, I mean, when when you're competing for the the co one or two spot, and you've got sports hernia going on, and you've put off surgery. I would say health. But still good enough to go at the end of last season. Uh-huh. Because you couldn't screw up this sports hernia anymore, so why and, not? And that's the heart of my question. Why was he not out there sooner then? Because he probably wasn't healthy enough. I, I mean, I, it, I, it, was, I it was a gradual thing where he got back to health. There's plenty of questions that go put to both coaching staff and quarterback last season, and I think Husker fans pray that the combination of Dylan Ryle and Glenn Thomas is a Band-Aid for that. <laughs> well, you know, it could be more than, you know, a Band-Aid. Jock Doc's on the way. Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. Husker Hoops coming up here 20 minutes. We welcome in uh, another Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert in Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Uh, and uh, we talk uh, Tyler Higby, a torn ACL. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing? You thawing out? Thanks for the time. Yeah, you bet, buddy. Yeah, we're, we're slowly thawing out today. Feels like a heat wave out there. It does. Elijah's not wearing pants or sleeves. So, I mean, he's <laughs> he's excited. I'm not wearing uh, anything below the belt. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, quite <laughs> frankly going to cause a hang-up and a talking to. Um, so, let's dive in. And you've heard coaches and You've been around coaches your whole life, Dr. Brandon. They, they hate this part of football, and that's, all right, we're concerned about shots to the head, totally understand, but it's forced defenders to go low. And in this instance, Higby got drilled and tore his ACL against Detroit. Did we lose you? get reconnected with dr brandon i think That'd his be wonderful. Must have dropped or he didn't yeah, oh okay there we got you, you. Guys, did you okay yeah we got you now you, you, you we went. were a little worried you hung up whenever i made the, the below the belt comment do you hear us hello guys he's flaking on the cell phone let's reconnect we'll reconnect with all him. right so the jock doc is this you've got tyler higby talented tight end with the rams uh sustained a torn acl took a hit in the fourth quarter against uh, the Lions in that wild card game. You had the MRI run, confirmed the injury, and uh, you had Higby suffer an injury due to that low hit from the safety, Kirby Joseph. Uh, The tackle sparked uh, a ton of criticism, and you had Joseph uh, post on social media, I'm praying for Bro and his family. I don't have no intention to hurt nobody or harm their career. Uh, well, that's what happened, and it was vicious. I mean, it was a shot shoulder pad right below the kneecap, and you saw Higby kind of at a side angle uh, do a little bit of a uh, inverted uh, kneecap-type uh, stretch. I mean, it was it was pretty gruesome with uh, just where his leg was planted, uh, the way he was moving with the football, and and how he got hit. Uh, by the safety, and then the, the the vicious force and speed of uh, of what happened. So Higby, forty seven catches, four hundred ninety five yards, two touchdowns this season, eight years in the NFL, 
and uh, pretty pretty brutal. What is the word? We cannot reach him. We're going directly to voicemail, so okay. it's interesting. So there we go. Well, let's uh, try and get him back or see if he'll... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get Dr. Brandon back on. Uh, question here in the, the stream, and can find the stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, I guess no Holgerson. AZ Hosker, I don't know that that's been decided. I haven't seen any announcement nationally that Dana's going somewhere else. I think it's really up to Dana because that's that's the other shoe here. Is do you add at Holgerson uh, to staff, and does Holgerson want to become an analyst uh, on Nebraska's staff? Um, he has plenty of of options out there. I would believe. I mean, I had heard that LSU may be kicking the tires on him. So February is is kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, as a decision timeline? It's like, from what it sounds like from the outside, Nebraska is still interested in Holgerson. Holgerson is still interested in Nebraska, but as Brandon kind of says here, Mm -hmm. Dana does not want the grind of a full-time coaching position just yet unless the opportunity is such that he cannot pass it up. So going to wait for the coaching carousel to stop spinning. If becoming an analyst and, you know, uh, having a, a bit of an easier year next year ends up being the path, Dana does not strike me as the kind of guy that wants to be away from football for too long. Um, so I, I think it'd have to take the the right opportunity to get him to 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 not say yes to Nebraska and not become an analyst. If that opportunity doesn't come around, hey, you've got a great analyst position where you can kick your feet up and it's a little more relaxed than a, a full-time head coaching position or, or coordinator position for a season, maybe two, where you can come in and and uh, – and, and help out but not have the, the same stress as being a full-time coach. And you can just keep that in your back pocket, assuming you don't get a better opportunity. Can I ask this out loud? And I think we'll try and catch up with Dr. Brandon next week. Uh, we're having communication issues there. Uh, so talk to me about this game plan if you're Nebraska. You have Thomas. You have Sat. They've worked together. They know what nebraska wants they know what rule wants they know what talent they have on hand based on some observations you're going to get a chance to watch the polynesian bowl friday night if you're coach thomas and and have some some notes and just say oh man great work dylan (laughs) wonderful to to see you perform there in hawaii but add holgerson to that mix right we talk a lot about cooks in the kitchen how many are, are too many or, man, do you have an incredible kitchen in a, a Michelin star restaurant because you are loaded with phenomenal talent. And it can go one or two ways. Sats calling the plays, designing the offense. You've got input in the passing game from Thomas. you got input in the run game from Coach Donnie. Now you factor in Dana. And I'll say this about Dana. I mean, Dana's offenses have never been a problem whatever league he's been in big 12 big east uh working for pirate working uh for for gundy at oklahoma state where yeah they they were aerating they chucked it around but dana ran him the football based on that personnel that's what i like i mean dana's not just let's throw the damn thing 78 times sure he liked it as a former wide receiver, sure, when they had the quarterback capable of doing it, they were hard to beat in some seasons doing that. They always had to shoot out teams. It was always 49-42. I 
feel like. So what's Dana not like? I think you can pull a lot of high school coaches and they can shake their head about NIL and recruiting. I think you can pull a lot of college coaches right now, Elijah. And it's look at Alabama right now. Look at Washington right now. It's a nightmare of returning starters versus the portal. So the recruiting world is a pain in the A. It's just what it is right now. And it's, and it's an arms race and there's no, there's no marshal. There's no law. There's no czar. There's no someone to, to set the rules. You have the NCAA, but they're weak. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying not to lose any more control. Sure, why not? Let's seed more control to athletes and, and make it the Wild West just as long as we can keep our precious NCAA tournament. And I, I love your, your, your chef comparison here, the Michelin starred restaurant here, because if you're Nebraska football and you're running the Husker football restaurant. You're either closed or you got to make reservations six months ahead of time. Sure, but I think think where I'm going with this is is Dana can come in and he can help craft your menu. He can give some advice to the chefs, all without not working a dinner service. You don't have to, to run the risk of getting burnt. You don't have to run the risk of getting sliced with a knife. You can just help craft the menu, uh, help advise the people he that are good. He can tell you if it tastes service. good. He can absolutely tell you if it tastes good. And Dana, to me, is the, the guy that probably knows the... Well, that's just a gas station. Oh, no, it's not. Go around back. Uh, Steve kicked off my wheels turning with barbecue, right? That's how some of the legendary spots started. We'll check in with Dr. Brandon next week. We'll wind down a Wednesday edition. Hail Varsity, we're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Thanks for your time checking us out on the Hale Varsity Radio Network and also streaming us, watching us on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Follow us on the radio handle at HVarsity Radio on Twitter. Reminder about pro volleyball coming to Omaha, the Supernovas. That's going to be incredible. They hit the court for the first ever Pro Volleyball Federation match coming up January 24th against the Atlanta Vibe. Get there for first serve at 7 p.m. Secure your season tickets or single match tickets now. All you got to do, log on supernovas.com and witness world-class talent with the Omaha Supernovas. And, of course, the roster includes NCAA champions, All-Americans, Olympians, the volleyball movement sweeping across the country, and you get to see Major League Volleyball with the Omaha Supernovas, supernovas.com. All right, Nebraska Rutgers, they tip here in about five minutes. You've got uh, KP and Mr. Mielheisen on the call. Uh, That's on our uh, affiliate 590. Here's what I ask you, Elijah. Rutgers minus three. Uh, I think it's fair the way Nebraska's performed on the road to, to make them an underdog just as a tough look when you're supposed to be a nine seed, an eight seed, a ten seed. This was all pre-Iowa. I don't think everyone has moved Nebraska back to the bubble, but we highlighted the stretch here going into early February for Nebraska and how vital it is. And can you can you win a a lower-scoring game. Rutgers does a great job defensively. Rutgers, uh, you know, scores about 65. They hold you around that 65-point number. They're 8-1 and one at home. The rack is tough to deal with. 
and uh, Nebraska better play smart basketball. I think they can match the intensity. I think they can match the physicality. I like Nebraska's roster. I like their options. I like their role. So is it steak and a beer time, or are we both leading the same way? I'm leading Rutgers. So am I. The, the problem is, and, and I've laid this out before, I think as it currently stands, Nebraska, a very similar team in a lot of aspects to the Ohio State team this year. Where I think Ohio State's good enough to get a lot of teams in the Big Ten, but they're not good enough that they can feel safe against some of the lower opposition in the Big Ten. That's about where Nebraska's at. You're good enough that you can sting anybody, but you're not good enough uh, that anybody can really sting you. Mm-hmm. Ohio State got the win over Rutgers by four points at home. You mentioned the fact that that Rutgers has been very good at home this year. It's a four-point game on the road at Ohio State. This is a Rutgers team that's, that's good, I think a little bit better than their record. I think Iowa's about as good as their record. I think mm-hmm. Rutgers is better than their record. With all that in mind, I struggle to take Nebraska to cover three. What, what does them in tonight? You're getting three, right? What, what does Nebraska in? Is it just tough shooting on the road? Is it their defense? Does Rutgers erupt for 80? <laughs> I mean, Nebraska's 1-3 and three on the road this year. Their one wins K-State. I look at the shooting, personally. Yeah. I, but, mean, I mean, when what came to play against K-State was the defense in the second half. That's mm-hmm. what got them the, the road win there. I mean... That and 18 rebounds by Juan. I don't know if you can, you can hope to stop this Rutgers team. That just beat Indiana pretty convincingly at home last week. Uh, you know what? You know what? Let's have some fun. I'll take Nebraska in the points. Okay, I am laying three to Elijah. Steak and a beer. One of us will have a side of beef by January 2025. I don't love the pick, but it's more fun this way. That's fine. Back at you tomorrow at four. Garth Glissman with us. Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel. Talk to you then. A Huda Media Production.